Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Rams Up, your weekly Los Angeles Rams podcast. We get into SoCal sports news of interest, but we'll mostly talk about what's happening with your L.A. Rams. I'm your host, Mark. We are, by the way, a member of the Pigskin Podcast Network. Let's get to it. Welcome, Ram fans, to episode 24 of Rams Up. Does it sound like I'm a little more somber than usual? Well, you probably know why. You know, one of the disadvantages of publishing a weekly podcast is that, well, like in my case, you push a new episode on a Monday night, you wake up the next morning, And one of the biggest news stories of the year relative to your podcast has broken. And you got to wait a week to talk about it. You all know what I'm talking about by now. The devastating loss of Cam Akers to an injury. He will miss the 2021 season. Total bummer. But on the upside, I've had a week to digest this, a week to research it, a week to look into how the Rams might respond. And that's what I'm going to do today. This episode will be almost entirely about Cam Akers and the Rams running back room and how they might respond. 
Sometimes, as you all know, I have my first and four questions. This episode, I'm going to have my first and four reasons why this totally sucks and my first and four reasons why it might not be as bad as you think. We'll get into some other Rams news, NFL news. We'll save that towards the end. There are a few other things that happened that are worth mentioning, but that can wait till later. Most of this episode is about Cam Akers and the Rams running backs, and we'll get into that right away. Okay, so we're all extremely disappointed that Cam Akers is out for the year. But let's be real about this. Let's step back and take a look at this entire situation. And the way I'm going to do it, instead of asking my fearsome four questions this week, I'm going to get real and give you the fearsome four reasons that this sucks. But I'm also going to give you my fearsome four reasons why this is not as bad as you might think. There is hope in Rams Nation, after all. So, what are the fearsome four reasons this sucks? Number one, Akers seemed to be the perfect back for the McVay offense. He blocks. He's great at the zone running game. He's a good receiver. He seemed to be on the rise. Seemed to be getting better as the year went on. And just seemed like a perfect fit for the Los Angeles Rams offense. For some reason, too, Matthew Stafford finally appeared to have a big time back. That's one of the things they say held him back in Detroit. Never really had that guy paired up with him in the backfield. And he thought he had that with Cam Akers, I'm sure. So it kind of sucks for Matthew Stafford in that regard. For some reason, four, in my mind, he was the only Ram running back with the potential to handle 25, 30 carries a game. He had that build. He had that thickness. He had that toughness. Not that some of the other guys aren't tough, some of the other guys in this running back room, but after Brown left, Akers is the biggest back in that room. For some reason, four, I just thought the running back room was perfect. Cam Akers, the lead guy, Henderson spelling him, catching a lot of balls out of the backfield, Very dynamic, explosive player in his own right. Vastly underrated, in my opinion. Young guy Xavier Jones has really impressed the defense. He had 48 TDs in college, so you know he can score in the red zone. Great developmental guy. Jake Funk. The plan for him was probably going to be more of a special teams role, but who knows? He could end up being a decent back. Xavier Jones, I mentioned him. The tape on him is pretty exciting. And all those TDs in college. And Raymond Calais, the speedster. The fastest guy in that backfield. And then the recently signed Otis Anderson. Another smaller back. More of a weapon. Just a great mix of players. I just felt so good about this running back room. Up until the other day. Well, there's also four fearsome reasons it might not be as bad as you think. 
Number one, the Rams' offensive line is pretty darn good. And I'm already seeing people making comments about, oh, no acres in that mediocre, awful offensive line. What are you guys going to do? This has been a running story for like five years, and it's just not true. Pro Football Focus had the Rams as the third best run-blocking unit in the league last year. Malcolm Brown averaged 4.1 yards per carry. Akers, 4.3. Henderson, 4.5. What are these people talking about? The Rams' offensive line is very good, and they're actually very good at pass blocking too. But run blocking, not going to be a problem. They might even be better this year with Bobby Evans apparently moving in. I like this offensive line a lot, and it's very deep as well. For some reason four, Daryl Henderson is better than you think. I remember seeing Henderson in his rookie year thinking, wow, this guy is electric. He's lightning. So exciting. He plays with such an angriness. Takes every play very seriously. I think he's more explosive than Akers was, and I think he's a better receiver. The real question is, is how durable is he going to be and how many carries can he handle? But I'd feel perfectly fine with Daryl Henderson as our lead back. I'd feel better if Akers was the lead back and Henderson was stalling him. But if Henderson's a guy, I don't think we're as bad off as you think. For some reason three, hey, we're kind of lucky this happened now and not in a month. They're just about to start camp. They got time to figure this out. They got time to get Jones and whoever else is going to be getting carries spun up in this offense. They can tweak the playbook to make it less acres-centric with the expectation that some of these younger guys are going to get carries. Or maybe even bring in a veteran. they got a month to figure that out, bring in some guys, have, let them have tryouts. There's obviously plenty of guys out there. LaShawn McCoy, Adrian Peterson, Todd Gurley. We'll see. I'm not going to make any predictions there quite yet. And for some reason for someone's going to step up. Someone's going to fill that gap. Henderson will likely be the main guy, but I feel very confident that one of these backs on our roster, Xavier Jones, is going to surprise the heck out of us and give us that rushing edge that we think we may have lost when Anchors was hurt. Let's take a look at the running backs the Rams have in-house after this injury to Cam Akers. Right now, the front runner for the starting role is obviously Daryl Henderson, 5'8", 207. He was picked in the third round of the 2019 draft, ran a 4 4 He was a consensus All-American in 2018, finished 10th in Heisman voting that year. His best game in the NFL was... Last year against Buffalo, he had 20 carries for 114 yards and one rushing touchdown. Didn't do much in his rookie year, though. And you may remember uh, when I discussed the running back room many episodes ago, I predicted that Henderson was still going to get a lot of carries, even with a healthy acres. In fact, this is what I had to say. 
Don't write off Daryl Henderson. I still really like him, and I'm glad we have him as a backup. I hate to even call him a backup because I think he can still be a lead back if needed. I would say Henderson is more explosive than Akers. Bigger potential for big play production, in my opinion, than Akers. So I'm kind of excited to see him in that starting role. However, he does have that style that lends itself to getting banged up. However, he does have that angry style of running that could lend itself to injury. Let's hope he stays healthy. And if he does, I think he could be in for a very good season. Next up is Xavier Jones, 5'11", 208, out of SMU. Undrafted free agent in 2020. Made the roster. Played a little bit of special teams. In college, he rushed for 3,400 yards and 45 touchdowns. That's right, 45 touchdowns. Some people called him the best running back without a combine invite. He's shifty, bit of a grinder. He's actually the slowest timed running back in that room right now, but he isn't slow. And he's the guy that during scrimmages last year, the defense was very excited about his potential. It was just a real bummer. We didn't get to see him in preseason games, but he could be the surprise guy, in my opinion, that's going to step up and fill that role as the number two running back. At 5'11", 208, he's not big, but he plays bigger than that, I think. If you watch him, you'd be surprised to find out he's just 208 pounds. Jake Funk, the rookie out of Maryland, drafted in the seventh round. 5'10", 205, 449 in the 40. To be honest with you, he's not guaranteed to make this roster as a seventh-round pick. I think he will, but I also think the Rams really saw him as a special teams guy this first season. I don't think he was going to get a single carry, and he still may not get a single carry, but but I think his chances of making the roster just improved. It'll be really interesting to see what he can do in the preseason. Two other guys I need to mention, Otis Anderson, 5'11", 174, undrafted free agent out of an undrafted free agent out of the University of Central Florida, and Raymond Kalai's seventh round pick last year by Tampa Bay and then waived. Rams picked him up. He saw some special teams activity. Now, in my opinion, one of these guys will make the roster, I think, but but even that's not a guarantee. They will be special teams guys, maybe punt returners. I'd call Anderson more of a weapon guy than a running back. He could actually play a little bit of wide receiver as well. Very good receiver. 91 receptions for over 1,000 yards in college. So he has that dynamic to him. Kalias is the fastest guy of all these running backs. I don't think he really adds a whole lot of value as a running back, though. More of a returner type. Now, you remember uh, in our running back preview a while back, I discussed how an Akers-Henderson running back committee approach would look like, and that's what I expected to see this year. And this is what I said about those two in an earlier episode many weeks ago. I think it's going to be more like what you saw with the 2017 Saints. If you go back and look at at that team, Mark Ingram rushed for 1,124 yards, and Alvin Kamara rushed for 728. I think Akers is a better back than Ingram. I think Henderson is not quite 
up to the level of Kamara, but he's very similar. So what I think will happen is the production will be very similar. I'm going to say Akers 1,150 yards and Henderson 650. So what's changed? Well, obviously, no Akers. I see Henderson being the primary guy. I don't know if he's going to get to 1,000 yards. I think he'll be over 800, which would be good news for Matthew Stafford. But who's the second guy going to be? I think it's going to be Xavier Jones. But I also think the Rams could add a big back. In my draft preview, I thought the Rams would draft a running back, a big running back. I got that half right. They drafted Jake Funk, but he's certainly not a big back. I'm just worried that late in the games, they don't have that big back that can pummel defenses, unless Xavier Jones is the guy. So I see the running back room shaping up to be Henderson and Jones and Funk and either Anderson or Kalais. But I still think both of those guys could be out, or certainly one of them, and they bring in a veteran big back, someone like T.J. Yeldon, 220 pounds plus, a seasoned veteran that can certainly still contribute. Kind of play that Malcolm Brown role, come in one series or two series late in the game, protect the ball, keep the chains moving if possible, maybe a goal line guy. So we'll have to see how that pans out. Don't panic, Ram fans. We're still in good shape. Henderson and Jones could end up being a terrific combination, and maybe they'll add a big back to help out. As I mentioned, because of the Akers injury and all the interest in the Rams running back situation, I saved the sports roundup here for the end. And I wanted to mention last week, I stated that I was going to get into the greatness of Tory Holt this episode and the greatness of the Bruce Holt duo. That was a follow-on to Isaac Bruce's comments that they were the greatest combination of receivers ever to play on the same team. That's going to have to wait for another week or two. We'll see how it goes. Hopefully you understand, and I apologize for that. Just too much going on in the last week. I thought it could wait. I wanted to start this roundup with a discussion about what's going on with college football. It's getting crazy. Texas and Oklahoma have reached out to the SEC. They want to move over from the Big 12 to the Southeastern Conference. Looks like it's likely going to happen. But this is going to get crazy. What kind of effect is it going to have on the Pac-12 down the road? There's arguments to be made for the Pac-12 standing pat or reaching out to universities in the central time zone to widen their television reach and therefore bring in more television money. But back to the SEC, what I am most interested about the SEC is how their schedule is going to work. Are they going to have two eight-team divisions? I don't see how that'll work. If you want to get in a rotation of all the teams at least once in a while, someone said that they could go to four pods, and that makes the most sense to me. But it could pose some problems for SEC teams in the long term and could benefit 
some of the other conferences. Right now, the SEC teams play 12 games, just like the Pac-12 teams. They have seven within their division and one outside their division. Then they typically play three Patsies, you know, the Stamfords and such, the Akrons, the Georgia States. For example, this year, Alabama plays Mercer, Southern Mississippi, New Mexico State, and Miami. So they'll play three Patsies and one legitimate opponent. They limit travel. Alabama, typically, their longest trip might be to Texas. Florida's longest trip might be to Louisiana. Well, Oregon and USC are flying across the country once or twice a year. What are they going to do if they go to 16 teams? Most likely what they'd have to do is go to four pods where they would play three games within their pod, two versus the other three pods, giving them nine games there and then only three non-conference opponents. So what do they do? Do they go to two patsies and one legitimate opponent? If that's the case, this could end up being a big advantage to some of the Pac-12 and Big Ten teams. These SEC teams will have to navigate, finally, nine conference games like Oregon and USC and UCLA have forever. And one legitimate opponent outside their conference and two patsies? Or are they going to go with three patsies? If they go with three patsies like they have forever... I don't know. To me, that's a bad look. And it really takes away from the fans these interesting games between LSU and Oregon, Alabama and Penn State. So in the end, what it's going to likely do is take away one sure win for all of these SEC teams. For example, Auburn this year plays Akron, Alabama State, Georgia State, and Penn State. Are they really going to take the Penn States of the country off their schedule? and stick with three patsies? Are they going to stick with those games and only have two patsies on their schedule? That's a tough call for the SEC. I'm really interested to see how it goes. On the other hand, the Pac-12, it'll be business as usual. I think the Oregons and the USC's and UCLA's will see an infusion of cash support under this new system that could help their programs immensely. And I'm not sure if they should add new teams. The one thing that's kind of interesting is, what if they were to add teams like Baylor and Kansas? Yeah, mediocre at best football programs, but what would Pac-12 basketball look like with Kansas and Baylor on board? But I kind of like the way the Pac-12 has gone about things. They view themselves as an exclusive club academically and athletically. And they're in no hurry to add new teams, especially ones that aren't geographical and cultural fits. The BYUs and the Baylors of the world, for example, or even the Kansas and Kansas states. So we might not see any change in the Pac-12, and I'm okay with that. The ball's in the SEC's court. How are they going to handle their scheduling? I think it's going to be even more difficult for these SEC teams to navigate their schedules with only one or two losses. Unless, of course, they tweak that schedule and find a way to keep the three patsies on their schedule every year like they have for the last 20, 30 years. 
Elsewhere, Dodgers' bullpen woes continue. They continue to chase the Giants. The Padres continue to chase the Dodgers. The fun continues. The Rams released Simba Webster. I had predicted that many weeks ago in my preview of the Rams special teams. Who's returning punts? Tutu Atwell and Cooper Cup are my guesses. Maybe Jake Funk. We'll have to see. Webster, by the way, signed with the Niners. I doubt that he sticks. We'll have to see. Most of you probably heard the Rams put in a claim for Lamont Gallard, who was cut by the Cardinals. He's an interior offensive lineman, mostly a center. The Rams did not get him because the Bengals had higher waiver priority. And I don't think anyone should interpret this as the Rams being uncertain about their offensive line. It just means they're trying to add some depth, maybe some competition for Brian Allen and Tremaine Ankrum and Coleman Shelton, those guys. Don't read too much into that. And it's going to be interesting as we move forward with this NFL vaccine policy that teams could be at risk of forfeiting games if there is COVID exposure due to unvaccinated players. DeAndre Hopkins are piping in on that. He almost suggested that he just may retire rather than deal with this. Apparently, he does not want to get vaccinated, and he doesn't want to put his team at risk because of his decision. There may be more of that to come. Cole Beasley piping a similar tune out in Buffalo. Some saying that he's just trying to get himself cut. So obviously, a little bit of controversy across the league. Not everybody's in line with this policy, but the NFL taking a realistic approach. Hey, we don't want our product jeopardized because you're afraid to take a vaccine. That's our sports roundup. We'll close out this episode with a special pet peeve from the world of golf. podcast for the most part dealing with the Cam Akers injury. I did want to get back to one of our fun segments, our weekly sports pet peeve of the week. This one is on golf. Yes, golf. I haven't done one on golf and I could probably string together 10 or 15 in a row about golf. I am an avid golfer. I've probably played, I don't know, a couple hundred rounds in my life. And yes, I am proud to say I have never played a legal round of golf in my life. I hit extra balls. I move my ball out of bad lies. I give it the foot wedge. I'll re-hit. I won't count penalty shots. Sometimes I won't hit out of a damp sand trap. I'll switch balls in the middle of a round. I'll carry more than 14 clubs. I'll step on other people's balls sometimes when they're not looking, especially if it's a relative, a certain relative. I'll take gimmies all day long, sometimes just to annoy certain partners. But don't call me a cheater. You know why? Because I'd never compete against anybody else. It's not a competition. I'm playing golf. I'm hitting 
a golf ball around a golf course. You can't cheat unless you're cheating someone. And don't tell me I'm cheating myself. That's ludicrous. I don't play legal golf, and I'm not a cheater. And my pet peeve is people that consider this cheating. (laughs) It isn't, and it never will be. But I still am going to claim my 17 handicap. Sorry. That's my sports pet peeve of the week. All you golfers out there, feel free to send me an email telling me I'm nuts. I have no problem with that. That's my sports pet peeve of the week. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach out to us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. Visit our website at ramsup.com. And please, subscribe and give us that five-star rating. We really appreciate it. And remember, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there.